I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal, and I'm here today with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson and our partner from Montecito Bank and Trust. Vicki, I'll let you introduce her. Okay, yes, we're happy to have back with us today Doris Roof, Senior Fraud Specialist from Montecito Bank and Trust. Welcome back, Doris. You're always full of good information for us. What have you got for us today? Glad to be back. So I just wanted to bring up an article that I read today. The article is from USA Today, and they were trying to get the word out again in regards to cybercrime and just how it's exploded. And so I just want to point out a few tips out of the article and also just a few stats that they put out there. So cybercrime for Americans over 50 cost nearly $3 billion in 2021. That's a 62% increase from 2020, according to the FBI 2021 Elder Fraud Report. So that's a pretty huge increase from just within one year. They say that it may even be higher since most older victims don't report the fraud. And we do see that quite a bit here at the bank. You know, a lot of people just don't want to go ahead and report. They're embarrassed or they don't want their relatives to find out, etc. So a lot of it will go unreported. The FTC said that 44% of younger people in their 20s reported losing money to fraud, where only 20% in their 70s reported their fraud. So younger people don't hesitate to go ahead and report that fraud. They call the FTC, report it on the online, etc., or their police department. So it's something that we should all be doing, no matter what age we are. We should be going ahead and reporting that fraud so that it can be captured. And the higher the numbers, hopefully there will be more done about it. I believe they're doing everything they can, but maybe more people will be put into those areas. That's good motivation. I never thought about that. But clearly, the more that is reported, the more serious people are going to take this kind of crime and the more resources are going to be put towards stopping it. Seniors actually pay out more on average. Individuals younger than 50 generally pay out an average of $324. People in their 60s pay out about $426. 70 plus is $635. And then if you're in the 80s, it's $1,300. So you can see it just doubles once you're a little bit older. Kind of shows why people target seniors too. To me, these numbers are low because obviously working in the bank, we see much higher numbers than this going out of the bank and have gone to gift cards or sending money via Zelle, etc. The dollars are much higher than this. And once again, I do want to mention gift cards, etc. are targeted to all people, but a majority of the time older individuals. And then 84% of Americans have experienced a form of social engineering to fool you to give up your confidential personal information. I thought that was quite high, 84%. So that means just about everybody has been targeted pretty close to at least once or more. Because a lot of times when a scammer gets your information or gets your number, basically, what I like to call it, they're going to keep after you. You're going to be a target. 
phishing scams. They're trying to trick you into clicking links to download their malware. So once again, don't click on anything unless you're expecting it. And even if you're expecting it, let's say you're in the middle of a real estate transaction, and you're expecting an email from your agent, etc., call to confirm because you just don't know if your email or their email may have been compromised in some form and your name is part of those emails and they're going to target you. And people are getting smarter and smarter about that with their emails, et cetera, and contacting who they're talking to or receive that email from. But it's just a continuous thing where you know who you're dealing with and verify. Some of the tips they gave, which I know we've covered in the past here on our radio show, don't click on any links unless you are expecting the link and even then make the phone call like I just mentioned. And then have a tech check-in with relatives. And I thought that was a really good tip because I think all family members need to know what they're doing on the computer and when to do something and when not to do something. Because I started thinking about younger children that use the computers. They may not know not to click on a link and they're going to go ahead and click on something and then all of a sudden your computer is having some issues. It's good to have a family check-in or family relative type check-in, maybe at Thanksgiving, make it a topic, you know, with Thanksgiving coming up. So I thought that was a really good one because it doesn't just affect an older person or younger. It can affect a lot of different people in your family. And then set up your social media to be private and then be wary of emergencies. And once again, this is kind of like where someone's in trouble and they're trying to get you to act quickly in an emergency. So don't believe it. You hang up, you contact your relative if that's what they're stating that a relative is involved. So don't send gift cards, cash, etc. And then call your relative, lock your devices using passcodes and fingerprints. And I just heard one interesting thing too. A lot of people use face recognition. And what if you've got somebody in your home that is not living with you in your best interest and they can go ahead and put your face on your phone while you're sleeping and you'll never know and they'll have access to your phone. So I thought that was a good point too. They could hold up a photo. Is that what you mean? Right, because a lot of phones now, you can obviously use a passcode or your fingerprint, which my fingerprint never works, or you can use the face ID now. So it goes ahead and scans your whole facial features, etc. And then next time you log in, you just hold up your phone and it recognizes the face and you have access to your phone. But Somebody that may be taking advantage of you that's living in the house could also do that while you're sleeping because that face ID would be recognized by them holding the phone up. Shop safer. Always look for the lock, that little padlock in your browser. And then also it should say HTTPS, S for security. I think that one's become pretty commonplace for a lot of people to know about, but it's good to remember to look for that. Resist free Wi-Fi and internet like at coffee shops. Browsing over your shoulder also, trying to get into that internet and getting So if you have to pay a bill or something, don't do it while you're at a coffee shop airport. Do it in a secure place. Just thought there were some real good pointers in the articles. 
just USA Today, and it was dated September 19th. Very good tips, and they're very good advice. And scary statistics, 80% of all Americans have been targeted by social engineering. That's just shocking. Well, and I have to say here at the bank, fraud has definitely increased over, I'd say, the last year and a half. Once the pandemic started and fraudsters and scammers kind of started realizing what they could start doing with everybody being home, it just skyrocketed. The cyber, the pop-ups, the check fraud, it has definitely increased. And we just saw a recent one was a work from home, a job thing. And they went ahead and sent us the emails that they received and the text messages between. And it was very sophisticated. I mean, it was pretty much almost a full-blown interview. But in the middle of the interviews and that, it did ask for personal information. They said, well, we're going to send you a check, you know, to buy a computer. They're just getting more sophisticated because there are so many places trying to get the word out about the fraud. And people are getting smarter. I do have to say, I do feel customers are becoming more aware and alert. But now the scammers are stepping it up. It feels like they're always one step ahead of us. Right. Right. Catch up with them and then they do something else. So that's why we keep doing this because we have to try and stay on top of it as best we can. And why we sometimes give the same warnings and the same information many times over. And it's because we have to reach as many people as we possibly can. And we always have to give reminders that this fraud is still happening, only it's become more sophisticated. Right. So uh, those work from home applications are becoming much, much more realistic. And you Mm -hmm. still have to understand it's a scam. Double check. Look into the company name. Call the company even. So have you got anything more for us, Doris? That's quite a bit for us to digest. (laughs) I know, right? Quite a bit to absorb. But yeah, yeah, I mean, basically, if somebody is asking for money, cash, gift cards, gift cards especially, no, we're seeing a little bit of an increase on that again here and around town. We're definitely seeing get a gift card. And we know that is a huge red flag. The minute somebody asks you to get a gift card, you are in the hands of a scammer. Hang up, delete, get off the phone, get offline. Exactly. Just, uh, block them as best you can. So, Patty, I wanted to issue a warning today because okay. this came up. It was a news article in the LA Times, and here's the headline Glendale police warn of thieves using distractions to target seniors. Now, This is happening in Glendale, but as we know, this kind of activity, these kinds of crimes tend to migrate. So it might be happening in Glendale now, but it's going to happen elsewhere. And here's how it works. Apparently, thieves will target men and women who are walking alone, and they stop them and they ask for directions, or they want to, for some reason, give them some costume jewelry. And then, while the victim is distracted, they either forcibly or with the distraction, remove the victim's jewelry. Now, they usually work in teams, and they often are driving by in a car with a male driver and the female passenger who actually commits the theft. The car actually might contain multiple people, maybe several women, even kids. And they try and get the victim to come on over to the car, probably so once they've accomplished the theft, they can make a quick exit. Common areas where this is occurring are in parking lots and also on residential streets. So here's what the police say to protect yourselves from this kind of activity. Walk in groups, 
even if you're not with somebody, be a part of a group that's moving down the street. Pay close attention to your surroundings. Be aware if someone seems to be following you in a car or if somebody is acting suspiciously. And avoid wearing jewelry. Or if you do wear it, try and hide it under a sweater or a vest or something like that. This was a warning from the Glendale Police Department that I thought I should share. Thank you, Vicki. Have you heard anything like that, Doris, in Santa Barbara? We haven't heard about it recently, but we have heard about this type of crime, especially in Costco and Trader Joe's, because we, unfortunately, as women, we have our purses, and actually men now, too, also have their man bags, but they will go ahead and put it in the cart and then look around for their products or whatever they're looking for. In the meantime, somebody is coming up, once again, like Vicki mentioned, usually in groups, like one or two, three people, and they will try to distract you for the moment and then go ahead and go into the purse, take out the wallet, and you don't recognize that the wallet is missing until 45 minutes later or however long you're in the store. And then they're long gone. And it's usually more or less like an organized crime a ring that moves up the coast, Vicki, that come up from down south, come up to this area. And once again, it's all about distraction. Now, my suggestion, not only protecting yourself, carry your purse on you the whole time, but if you do see somebody doing that, I would report it. Let the person know, hey, I think they just took something out of your purse or go maybe mention it to management at Traders or Costco. And I've also heard they were doing it at restaurants. So people hang their purses on the chair and they try to distract you and make the purse drop on the floor and then they kick it over and they'll take what they need out of the purse. I haven't heard about it recently, but it has happened. And like you said, Vicki, what happens further south will come north. It will. Well, thank you for that, Doris. We do have to be cautious about our surroundings and be aware of what's going on and try not to be too distracted. And whatever we do, let's not make it easy for these things. Let's not put our purses in the shopping cart. Let's not hang our purses on the chair, which I do, by the way, all the time. It's a good reminder to me, too, that I have to be more careful. So finally, Patty, I do have some good news. Always glad to hear that good news after all the warnings. <laughs> after all the right. warnings, yes. Uh-huh. You know, it just seems like there's a lot of crime out there and nothing ever happens to these folks, but not true. So I have talked on numerous occasions about the theft of unemployment insurance benefits, which happened particularly during COVID. And here's the headline from the Department of Justice, the U.S. Attorney's Office, Detroit man sentenced on charges related to theft of 1.6 million in unemployment insurance benefits from nine different states. So he was charged with wire fraud and identity theft. And here's what he did. Without people knowing or approving, he submitted fraudulent applications for unemployment insurance benefits in the names of people living, get this, in Michigan, California, Texas, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Massachusetts, New York, and Louisiana. 
So he covered a good portion of the United States with this scam. And apparently he submitted these claims using these individual social security numbers and other personal identifying information. And he directed that the benefits be paid out via debit cards. And then he used these cards to repeatedly withdraw the funds. So he is on the hook. He was convicted. He was sentenced. He is on the hook hook to pay restitution in the amount of $1,611,000. Now, we know that these unemployment insurance benefits were stolen, unfortunately, in the billions. So this is a drop in the bucket, but at least it is something. So I think this is some good news. They are at least going after these folks. That is great news, Vicki. Thanks for sharing. And once again, I always wonder when somebody is clever enough to pull off a scam like that, they must be clever enough to make money legitimately. So it always surprises me. But anyway, glad he got caught at this one. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And would you share your fraud hotline before you say goodbye today? Of course, it's area code 805-568-2442. And I'll say that again, 805-568-2442. And I do welcome your calls. Thank you so much, Vicki. And thank you, Doris. We really appreciate you and everybody at Montecito Bank and Trust too. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye.